Hello, hello. I'm Omero Spinoza, Senior Director of Production at Studio Resonate. And you're listening to Studio Resonate Speaks. Have you ever listened to an ad and realized how cool it was that you were able to visualize the scene just through sound? Mm, Maybe the copywriter found a perfect word to describe a relatable feeling. And it felt extra special to you because they did it con un toque de español. Or maybe it was the way the 3D audio elements danced around your head that really made an impact. Well, it's time to peek under the hood and learn more about how it all comes together from the best in the business. We'll take a deeper dive into the creative processes and hold conversations with industry leaders, look at the future of audio, and celebrate the diversity of our industry. And so for this series, we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. We'll be exploring the impact of biculturalism both in navigating our careers in this industry and the audiences we serve. Plus, we'll dive deep into our creative best practices when it comes to crafting an ad with an authentic voice. So, whether you're new to the business or a seasoned audio pro, we think you'll walk away from the show with your audio advertising knowledge turned up to 11. In this episode, we sit down with the director of Latin music programming, Marcos Juarez, and vice president of sales marketing, Nidia Serrano, to dive deeper into understanding our audiences. I get to have an awesome conversation with Marcos where he talks about his role as a guardian of authenticity and how artists are shedding the constraints of genres and labels and why it's so important that Latin audiences see themselves in his programming without feeling pandered to. Then I hand it off to Natalie Leal, senior copywriter at Studio Resonate, who interviews Nidia, and she shares how artists are not compromising on their identities, how the ways Latinos experience their culture can vary, and, gotta talk about the business here, how advertisers will better represent Latin audiences in the future. All right, let's go. How you doing? I'm excited to be here with someone who I've known since the very beginning of my career at Pandora. We actually started around the same time. Marcos Juarez. Marcos, welcome. Thanks so much, Romero. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's been it's been a long ride, 12 years. I mean, in, in digital music, that's like an eternity. So folks who don't might not necessarily know you on the B2B side, can you give a little bit more context to what you do here? At the company. Sure. Well, my official title is uh, Director of Latin Music Programming and Latin Music. The role is definitely multifaceted, multidisciplinary, uh, and I think it really needs to be. I think you need to have a hand in a lot of the different elements of, of uh, a digital music company to accurately represent a genre as broad and diverse as Latin music. I'm tasked with, I think, at its core, making sure that our offering of Latin music, the stations that we offer, you know, the artists that are represented are as reflective of the diversity of Latin music as possible. More than anything, it's really just sort of uh, as as a guardian of, of authenticity to the best of my ability. No, that's great. Throughout your career, how have you seen the concept of like biculturalism evolve in Latin music, especially in terms of like fostering a deeper connection with the audiences? more than ever, we are not seeing artists being so constrained by genre yeah. and by, like, labels. You know, I think the Latin music industry, in a, in a corporate sense, used to really, and they still do um, to an extent, really stress labels. Like, this is tropical. This is 
urban. This is regional Mexican. Those labels don't do a service to creatives, really, mm. you know? Right. And, uh, I mean, it can help you get categorized. It can help people understand maybe, you know, some of the, the functions of, of where you're coming from and, and where to, like, put you in, the, you know, in a playlist or whatever. But um, I think there's more freedom to have a bicultural identity. And, and that could be anything. You could be Latino and you don't even speak Spanish or listen to Latin music, but you're still Latino. You're still bicultural, you know? And I think allowing for broader definitions of what it is that we can be um, and not having to fit into a specific um, category. You know, I think that freedom, I think we all are kind of realizing at the same time, like, you right. know, especially you grew up here as a Latino or bicultural, you know, I'm mixed. You're like, okay, well, which, what am I? Like, what, you know, how do I be authentic? And then you, I think people are more and more realizing that you can be authentic to yourself in any way. So that's exciting for creative right. process. And, and you see it, like, even last night with the, with the VMAs, mm-hmm. you know, like all the performances. And you see it with Shakira, where when she started, she was like, you know, singing English songs. And it was very much this type of w- a certain way that, that they had, that the labels had to present her. And then last night, she's singing in Spanish, even Peso Pluma, right? Like how he showed up. I was like, wow, this is like, I was so jazzed, you know, to see that authenticity, right? Come through and it be celebrated in such a way that it was. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you you mentioned Shakira. I remember, you know, I used to work in record stores for years. And I remember her album, Laundry Service, she released a Spanish version and an English version. And I think she did that with a couple albums, you know, and that was the, the label trying to penetrate two markets. And I don't think you would see that anymore. A whole album recorded in two different languages, like with the success of Bad Bunny, and you mentioned Peso Pluma, and even Shakira, all the songs she's released lately, the last 10 years have been very few in English. Yeah, it's really cool to see um, the acceptance of, of Spanish language. You know, um, Bad Bunny was interviewed in Vanity Fair, just came out yesterday. But one of the things that he said, and he said it a lot, though, is, you know, like, I don't feel any pressure to sing in English. And, like, why would I do that? Like, when I was growing up, I used to listen to artists in, in English. I didn't speak English, but I still could appreciate it. You know, mm. and I think English-dominant listeners are finally, like, like I said, becoming acculturated and and like maybe taking them, humbling themselves a little bit to be like, oh, well, like maybe I could uh, enjoy something in another language, even if I don't understand it. Right. And that's a that's a big move, big change from where it was five years ago, six years ago. Huge, huge. And when you mes- mentioned Peso Pluma, like Mexican music being thought of in the same context of like somebody like Shakira or, you know, like pop Latin has had an easier time making inroads. Like sonically, Mexican music is it's an acoustic genre. It can feature accordions or brass. You know, these aren't instruments. Very that are, foreign yes, instruments. Exactly. Not regularly integrated into like quote unquote popular music and to have that now I saw um, another Mexican group Eslabon Armado is going to be the first regional Mexican group this Friday the kickoff of Hispanic Heritage Month on the 15th to perform I think it's either the Today Show or Good Morning America oh nice but the fact that you haven't had a Mexican like this whole that show's been on for like decades it's probably the first time (laughs) it it literally (laughs) is yeah yeah so you know it's uh, it's 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 a slow road but I you know definitely feel momentum picking up these days and that's great and I think when we think about that, and we also think about that representation of diverse voices and cultures within Hispanic, in the Hispanic community, it's like, how does that, how has that helped? I feel like that would probably have helped programming, right? To be more open. And can you talk a little bit about that for you? 
Yeah, you know, I think as a programmer, as some, as, a, as somebody who is in a role where you're presenting people's culture back to them, mm. in a sense, or making available um, expressions of their culture, you have to really put yourself aside and, and try to understand what it is that the listener wants. Mm. And so I think within that is understanding the diversity of, of the Latin audience and who are the people that are making this music? What is the context within which this music is born and why does it resonate? You know, I think the deeper you dig into trying to understand why it is that people like what they like, then you have a better chance of giving them what they will like and then also creating a dialogue uh, with them that they find seamless that right. they, they, so that they can see themselves in that programming and not question like, ah, like this dude actually like doesn't know what merengue is. Like, why is this song playing like this? Right. And, and you'll never get it always right. But um, that's the goal to just have have the seamless reflection of somebody's culture and identity there. You know, we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. You have been in this interesting position with your career you know, when you think about like advertisers, we got to put the business hat, business business hat on. When you think about advertisers and and different, you know, advertisers that you've worked with, what is the message you'd like to convey to them that you feel like maybe sometimes is missed or an opportunity that they can like lean into more? Good question. You know, I think I think the authenticity component is is key. Consumers can see through very quickly if you're, mm. you know, pandering to them or leaning on old tropes. Uh, about Latin identity or Latin culture or, you know, bordering on stereotypes. I mean, it's so tired now. Mm. And even the things that I think you could get away with 10, 15 years ago, you just can't. Like, I feel like, I don't know how real to be here. Uh, Like, you know, I think in the case of like Hispanic Heritage Month, you know, it comes once a year. And a lot of the campaigns that I see kind of roll out this one size fits all Mm. We are breaking through. We're doing it. We can't be stopped. And I feel like we're beyond that. I feel like it goes without saying. And we don't need a cosign from a brand like, hey, you guys are pretty cool. And like, we get it. You know, I feel like that is the wrong way to do it. Yeah. I think what resonates with people is if you just show up 365 days a year, whatever, Latin audience, Latin consumer, Latin culture, that you would to anything else. And don't even call it out. Just make it seamless and part of what you do. Yeah. And that's the realness. Otherwise, it just seems like a, like a gesture, an empty gesture, or it comes across as um, just pandering. And I just cringe at, yeah. at some, of the, some of the things that I see. No, and I appreciate that. I yeah. think one of the things my colleague, Steve Keller, yeah. you know, he, he does a lot of in-market work presentations. And we did the Stanford Sonic Diversity piece that we went out with you know, back in 2020. And one of the terms or one of the ideas that he presented recently, which I really like, is this idea of the, you know, the Latin market, the multicultural market is the general market. Yes. Right. Definitely getting to a place where advertisers are are realizing, oh, snap, like, yes, we've been here. You know, look how we're showing up in music. Look how much our culture is here is, is part of what's happening. So I appreciate you taking the time to meet with us. And, you know, I, I feel like we learned a lot about what you do. And again, I can't thank you enough for all the amazing work that you've done over the years to, to really highlight and amplify the fact that we've been here, you know. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Omero. Thank you for the opportunity. And I, I appreciate your kind words. And, man, thank you for representing, too. Like, we need as much authenticity as, as we can get. So I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again. 
All right, all right. And now I'm going to hand it off to Natalie Leal. All right, so I'm Natalie Leal. I'm a senior copywriter for Multicultural at Studio Resonate. I'm here with Nidia Serrano, the vice president of sales marketing. Hi, everyone. Uh, so as the vice president of sales marketing, I am responsible for positioning our company, specifically our revenue organization, to the marketplace, as well as to our sales teams. And in our role, we develop stories that help advertisers better connect with the audiences that we represent here at the company. And that includes everyone, including Hispanic, Black, Asian, LGBTQ+, you name it. Uh, we focus on all of those groups. I want to ask you about the Hispanic audience. It's always evolving. And so the way we speak to this segment is also always evolving. Do you have any philosophies or approaches that you've either shed from or incorporated into your toolkit in recent years? There are some philosophies that were very popular when I first started in the market that are not as popular and that I have completely shed from the beginning. One of those philosophies was the concept of acculturation. For many years, advertisers were focused on you know, separating and simplifying the Hispanic experience into these three buckets, the unacculturated, the acculturated, and in some cases, the bicultural. The issues that I've had with that concept and that philosophy is that it's very, one, very linear, and two, very oversimplified. It kind of simplifies and puts American or I would say U.S. culture kind of like as the pinnacle of something that needed to be achieved and Hispanic culture as something that needed to be shed. Um, also, it, it it looked at American culture in a very monolithic way. It was almost synonymous with white culture, whereas the space that we're in today, you know, a lot of people are just integrating so many aspects of various cultures, not just white culture, right? You have black culture, Asian culture, all of that is such a huge part of the American experience that I feel the acculturation model was just ignoring when it was first introduced. And I have to say it was introduced like 150 years ago. So <laughs> that's the reason why it's so antiquated. So, you know, throughout my trajectory in cultural marketing, I have moved away from that concept and more so focused on the individual experience, on the, on the cultural experience of Hispanics. Because at the end of the day, when, when it comes to this audience, they have such a connection to their heritage uh, that it's unlike any other group that has been in the U.S., that it just requires more study and a lot more nuance than what we've given um, to that space in the, in the past few years. Absolutely. And do you think this changes how, uh, you know, when you're speaking to advertisers about how to address this audience? And do you have any conversations that you have with potential advertisers that are influenced by this philosophy that would be like a helpful tip to other people in this space? Yeah, one thing that we tell advertisers is to not get so caught up in breaking down this audience into little groups. At the end of the day, we are very proud of being who we are. We're very proud of our culture, our heritage. Uh, the way that we experience that culture and heritage can vary, but it doesn't make us more or less Hispanic or Latino than the next person. And you were touching on this before, how 
the general market is no longer just seen as white. Like that, that culture is now a combination of other cultures. So we've seen our culture influence the general market in the last few years with artists like Bad Bunny topping mainstream charts as one of many examples. So how do you foresee our culture continuing to influence the mainstream in this way? I think that the mainstream is just going to continue to um, adapt to how comfortable Hispanics have become with expressing the pride that they have for the culture. For a long time, there was this almost concerted effort to just show like, oh, let's show that, you know, let's show the mainstream that Latinos are powerful. Let's show them that we are a part of American culture. Whereas now I feel it's a lot more organic. I think artists, for instance, are becoming very comfortable with being who they are and not compromising on their identities and just enjoying what's part of who they are and bringing that to the masses. And as a result, everyone else has just become a lot more comfortable with that. So we see a lot more community being formed. Uh, We see a lot more spaces being created where people can come together as a community and just exercise that pride that they have uh, in being who they are. Um, So in general, I think the mainstream is just going to be more open and it's going to just open their eyes more to what's happening around them. I mean, we saw it. We saw it yesterday. Um, Well, some of us saw it with Shakira getting the the Vanguard Mm -hmm. Award. And it was amazing when just to see her performance just before that. And her performance, it was pretty much a testament of the trajectory of Latinos in the U.S. Like you first had her singing all these English songs and almost all obscuring a little bit of her Latin heritage with the way that she was expressing uh, herself in music. And that has completely evolved in the last few years with her really kind of leaning very hard into the Latin market, her pretty much seeing the power that her leaning into a lot of her Latin experiences can have in her career. And she's really pretty much winning. And the fact that she was able to bring to the table such an amazing and authentic performance and not compromising on that performance, leaning into the language and like closing out with like her latest hits, which have been all Spanish language in a forum that doesn't really have Spanish language speakers. I thought it's just a a sign of what's to come, you know, moving forward. Yes, I was definitely having a proud Colombiana moment when I saw that. So I'm excited about that. I also wanted to ask if you have any projections or concerns about what advertising to Latinos will sound like in the coming year. And this might be a lot to ask, but how about in the coming decade? <laughs> I know most of the time when people have predictions, they never come true. So I hope <laughs> I don't jinx what's to come for this audience in the next 10 years. In the next year, I don't see a lot changing so drastically. I think a lot has changed. But something that I would like to see in the next 10 years is a reflection of the Hispanic experience in a more um, inclusive way. I think right now what advertisers do with the Hispanic market feels a little othering. It feels like, oh, hey, you guys, like, that's you. Look at you doing these things, right? I, I'm not, this, is a, this is not an ad. I am not a copywriter. <laughs> but it almost feels like they're explaining the culture to Latinos where, like, we live it day in, day in and day out. 
instead of like really showcasing like moments and experiences that are so inherently like natural to the Hispanic experience that it doesn't need an explanation. It doesn't need an invitation. Um, so I'm hoping that in the next 10 years, or I, I'm not even just hoping, I think it's definitely going to happen. Advertisers are going to have a more, much better understanding of the Hispanic experience. It's going to be more natural to what we see in popular culture. It's going to be more reflected on the films and the TV shows that we see uh, that is just going to be better represented in the ads that accompany those spaces. I'm looking forward to seeing that shift and that evolution of you don't have to explain us to us. And we are more than just quinceañeras, you know, the big like milestone events that always seem to have to get mentioned. So, yeah, I know we are very basic sometimes with the way that we (laughs) represent and it's like the same things like the family, the quinceañera, you know, the food, the all these different things. And there's so much more. And the more we are exposing, you know, the rest of the world to what our lives look like, the more it will be reflected in the ads that we see. This was wonderful, and I went by so fast, I can't believe it. Uh, before we wrap this up, I just want to ask if there's anything we haven't talked about related to understanding or speaking to Latinos in advertising specifically that you want our listeners to, to hear about. Yeah, I think similar to how we want to evolve the way that Hispanics are represented in mainstream media, I think there's also an opportunity to evolve the way that we show up within Hispanic media as well. Um, I think we've, we've started to see an evolution moving away from this almost monolithic showcase of the Hispanic experience and more towards like the unique nuances of the cultures that make up the Hispanic community. And that includes everything from the music to the people, to the skin colors, to the accents, the dialects that this audience represents is our differences that make us so unique. And the fact that we haven't harnessed the power of our differences has been almost a detriment to being truly authentic with the audiences that, you know, that are part of this community. So I, you know, at SXM Media, we, and also with Studio Resonate, we're doing a lot of work around diving into the world of Spanish accents and Spanish dialects and the power that it could have in the ads that we produce. We're still in the discovery stages for a lot of this. I think we have a lot of healing to do of the Hispanic market because we have been so indoctrinated to hearing a neutral voice, sometimes a white Hispanic voice in ads um, that we're just not used to hearing ourselves in a lot of the media. But a lot of the work that's being done by creators, whether it is music creators or um, social media creators like on TikTok, we're starting to hear ourselves a lot more and we're starting to become more comfortable with our own voices. And so I'm very optimistic about not only the impact in that we're having on mainstream culture, but also the impact that we're having in our own media as well. Hmm. That part about healing as a whole, I feel like there could be a whole series on that. So yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that that needs to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Nidia, for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, You know, if there's anyone we want want to talk to about understanding our audiences, it's you. So I'm really glad that we were able to have this conversation. Thank you. And I look forward to having more of these. Wow. Those interviews, they were so good. So grateful to Marcos and Nidia for taking the time to meet with us. I got a couple of hot takes for y'all. And one thing that's pretty consistent, 
in both our first episode and in this episode is that authenticity isn't just a buzzword. We need to live it every single day. Make it seamless in how we show up in advertising. Let's draw inspiration from the artists that we talked about who show up authentically. Peso Pluma, repping his Mexican culture and the culture embracing it on such a global level. Bad Bunny, all of that. These are great examples of how we can show up authentically and the audiences, the consumers embracing the culture. So please, like, let's let go of those tropes or those stereotypes when you're casting multicultural spots. Let's lean into the details. Let's get into the weeds. And again, most importantly, let's make sure we have those folks in the room who can authentically speak for the audiences we serve. And if we don't, create some sort of committee or a board or a group that you can run this creative by so that it's authentic. So yeah, our exploration continues with just two more episodes left. Join us next week as we dive deeper into creative best practices. Until then, stay true to yourself and see you soon.